What were you thinking? A fucking donkey show? It was your going away present. It sure was. I just never thought I'd be going away to prison. I finally get my shit together. I'm hours from getting out of here and really starting my life. And you somehow figured out a way to obliterate all that and reduce me to a convict. Oh, yeah, it's my fault your life's fucked up. I'm the engaged guy who knocked up my boss. You're chaos incarnate, man. Our whole lives, you've been getting me into trouble and holding me back. Oh, I'm holding you back, right? You got all fired up about taking charge of your life and what'd you do? You worked at the store till the place burned down. I took courses at Brookdale. And dropped out. Because you stopped going. Because we were just killing time with those classes. One semester we took criminology, for Christ's sakes. What the fuck are we training to be, Batman? At least we were doing something instead of wasting our lives in some fucking convenience store. You know what? You can badmouth quick stop all you want, but I miss that place. I loved working there. I look back on that period as the best time of my life. Now I know you're fucking nuts. Why? Because I enjoyed what I did? I got to watch movies, fuck with assholes, and hang out with my best friend all day. Can you think of a better way to make a living? Yeah, maybe it's not what everyone does, but it was pretty fucking good. Man, that's you all over. Scrape by with the bare minimum. Well, I'm tired of that, Randall. I'm not in high school anymore. Shit, I'm not even in my 20s anymore. I don't want to sit around and rag on customers while eating free food. That's what you want to do. That's what you've always wanted to do. Well, if that's all you want out of life, man, then God bless. But I refuse to let your shit taint the rest of mine. Well, I'm going to smooth things over with Emma, go to Florida, and start my Randall Graves-free existence. And try to forget these last 33 years ever happened. So that's the way you see all this time we've spent together? It's weird, man. I thought you were the only guy in the world who got me and had my back. The only person who'd take a bullet for me, because I assumed you felt about me the same way I feel about you. Then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, I'm moving, bye. Do you know what that's been like for me? I'm looking at a future that just sucks because you're not going to be in it anymore. And you're not even throwing me over for a life that means something to you. It's just a stupid, hollow existence you think you should embrace because you're getting old or something. Because it's the kind of life everyone else goes after. You're a fucking drone, dude. Fine. Then the next friend whose life you ruin can be a totally free spirit. How's that? You think I want to start making friends at my age? Christ. Who would want me as their friend? I hate everyone and everything seems stupid to me. But you were always the counterbalance to that. The guy who was the yin to my yang. Now what the fuck am I going to do for the rest of my life? I mean, shit. I really wish you would have told me this when I first met you, that one day you were going to bail on our friendship. Because if I had known you were just going to flake on me a few decades later... Even bother with your ass in the first place.
Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are starting a new month of movies with a director that I feel like we talk about quite often, and he's finally graced our podcast, Kevin Smith. We've threatened our listeners. <laughs> we that have. would be an accurate way to describe it. And this is a film I was excited for, but I didn't know what to expect. And it's Clerks 2 from 2006. I think everybody goes through the Kevin Smith phase once you're getting into film and then eventually independent film. And then it takes you right to the 90s. And you start watching those like Robert Rodriguez films, Quentin Tarantino, and Kevin Smith eventually pops up with Clerks. And so you watch his films and you enjoy them. And eventually you get to a point where I think everybody feels like, okay, that's enough. And I went through that in real time. I was able to watch Clerks 2 and enjoy it when it came out. And then around the same time, Kevin went underground and just kind of into his own little bubble after Zack and Miri. A good chunk of the people who enjoyed his films mainly did the same thing. And they just uh, kind of pushed him out of their radar. How did you react to Clerks 2 after what I assume you enjoyed Clerks 1? I think most of us do. I, I didn't watch Clerks 2 is how I reacted to it. Um, I mean, I caught up with it at some point, but I think it was years after the fact. I was not uh, I was not excited for Kevin Smith to go back to the well, uh, which I did watch um, the DVD documentary. Now, of course, I own Clerks too. I don't know if Kevin Smith got any of my money, though. I think this was through a second-hand store, so <laughs> the uh, Smodcast Empire, I, I did not contribute. But I was always like really cool with. Um, you're talking about aging out of it, so you know I was close enough. I was probably just a little bit too young to be in on. I mean, when Clerks came out, I was 12. So, but I was watching it on on video. And I was, I think I caught up with Mallrats probably the latest, uh, because the ultimate indignity in my small town was that they had clerks to rent. They had Chasing Amy. They didn't have a copy of Mallrats to rent. <laughs> <It was> <laughs> so I think I had to purchase that one on DVD. But, you know, we go through Jane's on it, Bob Strike Back in 2001, and Smith makes this decision, and he changes his stories a lot. He's he's a, He's a great storyteller. But I noticed this in particular in this documentary for Clark's too on like why why the reunion. It's like he just can't admit that it's like I had a story to tell with these characters. And yeah, I swore him off once because when he did Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, he made this big uh it was probably on one of those an evening with Kevin Smith things where he said he didn't want his characters to become Polly Shore, where it's like Polly Shore's on MTV and you know doing like the weasel thing. And then all of a sudden, the exact same demo that was into him six months ago was like, fuck that guy. That's not fucking funny. And he didn't want that to happen to Jay and Silent Bob, which I think was like Reboot that came out a couple of years ago. You see oh, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob don't translate to being like 40-somethings. It's just not as funny as more. It's desperate and sad. That's a long way of saying, so when he goes back to it for Clerks 2, which was five years after Jay and Silent Bob... I did think, mm, this kind of reeks of being desperate and sad. But when I finally caught up with the movie, I'm like, that's exactly what's about. <laughs> Sadness and desperation. So I'm like, okay, you embrace that. Exactly. Thankfully, the film really hinges on our two leads uh, with, with 
Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson as Dante and Randall, respectively. Uh, whereas Clerks, I feel like while they are the two linchpins, there's a lot of really great, I don't want to call it world building because it's like, how much can you really do in like 90 minutes? But I think Smith manages to with all these uh, really interesting characters. Whereas in this film, it really is about those two and about the concept of the 10 years later. I was excited because as I was leading up to Clerks do. One of the things that Kevin did on Smodcast was do interviews and such on the show promoting the film. And he had one episode where it was just him and Jason Mewes. And Mewes was just talking about all the things that they were happening on set. And he was listing off all the people that were involved. And, and it was really wonderful. So you wanted to see them succeed. And ultimately when I watched it, I thought I really liked it. And I th I actually thought it was better than the first one. I was that high on oh, it. Oh, no. Seeing it, <laughs> no, seeing it all these years later, it is not as good as Clerks 1. I, actually, I did revisit Clerks 1 uh, a little while back and really liked it. I was shocked at how well it held up. This one doesn't hold up quite as well, but the emotional beats are so strong, they kind of cover up for some of the kevin smith nonsense that i feel like he has to put in the film like the lord of the rings uh, uh jab that he takes that, that stuff like is that necessary? doesn't even age very well whereas it's I, and i don't know maybe it's just speaking from like our particular generation of fandom but you know when they're having a, a d debate usually it's a one-sided debate with randall kind of like unloading all of his bullshit pop culture theories on board dante star wars has not aged out of being sort of, I guess, witty uh, pop culture banter. A a Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings feud among fans is from a very specific time period, and even, I think, 2006 almost feels like it's late to the game on that. <laughs> and yeah, I wish... It feels random. It feels like he's catering to his fan base for long stretches of this. Uh, I remember enjoying this, and... Uh, I think I did a podcast on it where I was much higher. And then coming into this conversation, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be really negative on this because this build up uh, to this like donkey show thing, um, all of the hijinks in this fast food restaurant, uh, the Elias character. I'm, I'm really not, I'm not laughing. I'm feeling like I've aged out of this, but it does build to probably one of his best scenes. Maybe the best scene in a Kevin Smith film, which is this, uh, defining moment uh, where, where Randall basically explains uh, and maybe just admits what this friendship has meant to him with with Dante, and that you know he's he's one of those guys that the reveal is that his he's lost that that uh, ability to dream because unlike Dante, he already had what he wanted and lost it, and maybe he was late to realizing that himself. Dante's a very frustrating character, and I think. He's extremely frustrating in the first one, but he takes like way more abuse in that one. So I guess you can you can be okay with him <laughs> being your lead because he's indecisive. Usually when he has a good thing going, he fucks it up. The main difference between the first one and the second one is that he doesn't seem to have good things going for him and he's just like waiting to be like jolted out of the stagnation to accept the good in his life, which is a pretty big flip. I think it's safe to say Smith probably got more sentimental in his older years. I, th I think he was ready to pile on to 
the Dante character being a version of himself uh, as a fuck up in his 20s. But I don't think Kevin Smith has quite the bite where he wants to say Dante is still a fuck up as he's in his 30s. He wants him to be happy and succeed. And that's why he writes in Rosario fucking Dawson of all people like being in love with him, (laughs) which is it's really hard to get around. I think she does a lot of heavy lifting here. But yes. my goodness, that is still, uh, I saw in the special features where Kevin Smith said, we need to cast someone that you can actually believe would fuck Dante and fall in love with him. And I'm like, you didn't succeed. Like, I love Rosario Dawson, <laughs> <laughs> but she, there are limits to her talents as an actress. I did buy it eventually, though, because he's so, he, here's the thing. Those scenes where he's like painting her toenails and stuff, like those rang so genuine and that's the kind of stuff and, and here's the okay here's the problem man i see a little too much of myself in Dante. oh no i can't wait to tell my <laughs> wife this. she didn't watch this one with me because i'm like i don't think she has any interest in clerks one much less two but when i relayed that to her about the sideways character she was i i swear to god it was like a oh web like you know don't don't do that web <laughs> well well here's why though here's why and it's one of the things that randall says in the film it's like you're living life not the way that it makes sense for you but by what society deems is important you have to get a job you have to get a wife you have to have kids etc etc that's that's just how things go and you're not living your life uh, the way you want to and that's not what he wants so it it hit me it hit me hard because i watched it at a time when i was in college I was working towards a biology degree that I had zero interest in because my parents were hell-bent on me becoming a doctor, and this was just one step. And, you know, you become, you get your bio degree, you apply to medical school, and somewhere in there uh, you'll get married, and then you'll have a kid. And it's like everything was kind of written for me, and I just assumed, well, this is how it goes. And Dante going through those same motions it hit me hard. And that's why when I first watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is for me. And the movie ends in a completely different way. He kind of finds a way to live life the way it makes sense for him. And again, of course, it comes from Randall, which I don't even want to give Kevin too much credit here because I believe originally it was Silent Bob that was supposed to give it, but Jeff Anderson stated that I think this makes more sense. And so big props to Jeff Anderson. And so... When this storyline was kind of coming to a close and and, and that slow uh, backing away shot at the end as it turned to black and white, all of the emotional highs that, that you know, Kevin was kind of going through as he filmed that and as he wrote all that, it, it I, I felt the same way, just coming at it from a different angle. And so that's why when I see Dante... <laughs> Getting together with Rosario Dawson, doing those little things, little intimate things like the nail polish. Like it, I, I feel like I've had those kinds of feelings and those kinds of instances and moments in my life uh, with a member of the opposite sex where I was able to connect to them on that level. Because, again, this is my... <sighs> I just, I never feel like I'm good enough. No matter how, you know, successful I become, no matter how attractive I 
I don't even know where I am on the scale, but I just feel like every woman is just so far ahead of me. And so it made sense to me. It's like, <laughs> that's a relationship that I can buy because that's how I feel in every pseudo relationship, including my current one, which is not pseudo, which is a real relationship. It's a you real married. marriage. Yes. A beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, you've procreated. You've, you've hit all those goals. Yeah. And so... It, to, to this day, I'm just like, I'm not good enough, and I'm constantly trying. And so that's where I am. That's why I have such a fondness for the Dante character, and that's why I relate to him. And I hope I've made that, or I hope I've articulated it a little better than just... I want our listeners and you to take a wild guess on which of these two that I identify with. <laughs> and it ain't fucking Dante. <laughs> <laughs> because I I did not grow up with that particular push uh, for my family, small town Kentucky. There was there was no history of great success on a sort of professional level. Uh, it was more about uh, you know just uh, I hope you don't get into too much trouble. Like please graduate and uh, be a productive member of society any way you can. I I would say that I've. In that regard, I've had a, a very happy life. I would say, much like Randall, probably simplistic. This is a conversation I have with, with my wife about, like, I have family members and friends who, uh, I don't know if you would say they have addictive personalities, but they seem to hop from one thing to the next. And I'm, I'm not saying anything that's a, a danger to themselves or, like, a, a dangerous lifestyle choice or anything like that. But it's like, you know, we're both seemingly lifelong into movies and it's been that way for me as far back as I can remember. Like if I, I remember my dad coming to get me out of class when I'm in first grade to go watch back to the future too. And that was the only reason he came to pick me up from school was because he knew I wanted to see back to the future too. And we're going to do it on a school day. And it's like, uh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's like a defining moment where it cements like this is the coolest thing ever. So for the rest of my life, I'm going to go to the movies and it's always going to be cool to me no matter who I'm with because of these memories and these things. But I, I think that I have a little bit of the immaturity of Randall where I can sort of maintain this happiness because I know what I like. I've always liked it. And when I find it, I don't want to let it go. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't care what anyone else says. So like when he's saying, you know, I guess spoiling this, if you've not seen Clerks 2, I do think it's worth checking out. Even if you're, if you're like me and you're like, they should never have made a sequel. Even Jeff Anderson that plays Randall, uh, in the documentary, he was like, I don't know about this. Like, I really, and this is a guy that, no offense to him, it's not like he went on to become Jason Lee. He didn't go on to get a sitcom and all this other stuff. And he was hesitant. So you would think he would jump at the chance, but he was like, I don't know if I want to ruin this like really great thing I was a part of. But, you know, the speech he gives to Dante, like where he, in that Kevin Smith-like monologue where he realizes, or maybe it's just the first time he's verbalized it, that it's like, I'd, I'd re- I'd, I'd buy the quick stop. I'd open it back up. Those were the happiest days of my life. I think a lot of times in films that's played as like a very sad thing. Uh, usually like the, you know, it's like the, the high school quarterback who wants to relive his glory days. And he's, it's like that Ben Affleck movie where he's like turned into like a drunk and he's just really depressed. And it's like all that success ruined his adult life. Um, I don't think Randall epitomizes success in the professional world, <laughs> arguing with Lord of the Rings fans in a fast food joint. However, he's one of the few people that knows exactly what he wants. And he knows that if he can get this, it's a small piece of the world that he can just have for himself and his buddy. 
I don't think we're meant to doubt that he's going to be happy for the rest of his days cracking jokes with Dante and that convenience store and that little kingdom he has. He's built for himself. No one else may care about it, but he's he knows it for himself and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about it. And that's what I mean. I'm building up this guy where it's, I'm like the guy who has it all figured out. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that him specifically, that will work for him. And I don't think that he's presenting it as everyone should do this. I think he just knows himself well enough to know that this will make me happy and it'll make my best friend happy if he would just realize it. So yeah, that's, I've always kind of admired those characters who don't care what other people think about their passions or their pursuits. They only worry about their own happiness. Not, I think Randall maybe leans a little more selfishly and abrasive in the way he comes across it. But uh, yeah, I, th I think that, that that messaging is impressive because one of the biggest sins for me in movies is when you have, uh, uh, there's a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie with Michael Shannon called Premium Rush. And it's the one I always go back to because it's a uh, kind of throwaway B movie about like a thriller about a bike messenger. And they have to put in this stupid little detail in it that not only is Joseph Gordon-Levitt a, a very good bike messenger, but it's like, well, he could have gone to law school, but he turned that down just for the adrenaline rush. I'm like, what? why do you have to put that in there? Like, like Kevin Smith is confident that you don't have to have Randall saying like, yeah, I went to med school, but it just wasn't for me. I want to work at quick stuff instead. I, I like that we can say characters that are not um, going to be universally praised for their accomplishments can still internalize success for themselves and not worry about what others think. I say that on you know, a movie podcast where we're like, Hey, one person left a comment. <laughs> but I also think that that's probably why you and I are such good friends. I do think that we are kind of coming at it from that opposite end of life experiences and personality types. It's just our, our great tragedy is that you and I uh, did not grow up together working at a convenience store where we would have, you know, maybe we would have bettered each other just by you know, being closer in proximity, but the, the podcast will have to suffice. It will. And, and I, I, I'm telling you, one day I ju I just found out because I'm an idiot. <laughs> is that my state borders your state? Because your state is long, mm -hmm. my state is long, and I, you know Damn what it right. was? I was <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, Above Suspicion, the Amelia Clark uh, <laughs> led vehicle. And that happens to take place in Kentucky. And I was like, I wonder if Pikeville is a real place. And I oh, started yeah. looking it up. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's real. And I was like, how far is it from where Mike is? Oh, wait, how far is that from where I am? And then I <laughs> zoomed out on Google Maps like, what? So one day, one day. That I will hope... be the the least romantic film, uh, us meeting in Pikeville <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> Have you ever been to... Um, Jay and Saul Bob's Too Good Statue. We talked mm -mm, about this no, before. No, I have not. <sighs> okay, well, uh, you know what? I don't know. Put that on the bucket list. One day, like, let's make a try. I have been there, and it's cool. And I got to talk to Walt Flanagan for a little bit. He was a real sweetheart. The uh, other one's uh, kind of a jerk, right? Isn't he like kind of like where a lot of the Brody-isms come from? Is it Brian Johnson? Brian Johnson, I think he's the one right. that's a little more yeah. uh, harder-edged in the uh, sort of the nerd yes. realm. Yeah. Yeah. The other scene that rings extremely true and that is one of the most frightening scenes I think I've ever experienced on film is 
the wonderful Jason Lee as as Lance Dowds because you're right. Randall Graves is one of those characters who just knows. He knows what he wants in life and he's unshakable. And Lance Dowd, the MadDuckets.com king, shakes him to the core. And Jason Lee plays it so well, too. And I absolutely am right there in, in Randall's shoes, kind of frightened because he's saying all the things that are 100% true and it's getting to me. I've, I've been in that moment. I've had those nightmares where somebody tells me that things will never change. You'll never be anywhere uh, where you want to be and where society deems that you know uh, success is so it, it's absolutely frightening scene for me to watch and experience a little better now that you know things are stable i've got a job <laughs> wife kid, you know all that stuff great but it still represents a time in my life when things were completely up in the air and i didn't know what i was going to do and and just just a really brilliantly written scene and that's what i'm talking about with with clerks too is that it's got all this nonsense uh, you know the, the kind of kevin smith humor that i was like is that necessary was the sexy stud necessary what all these things are they necessary well, but then you've got let me drop one the biggest one here then is uh, i'm even giving him the, the the big third act hurrah the big sex act because i'm like well you know yeah, build up to something. I mean, it is you know, it's in a movies, it's in a fictional fast food joint, so that's fine. We'll do something. I'm always stuck with like, God damn it, Kevin! Like, this is why you had the success of like a Judd Apatow or like the Fairly Brothers is even with all their gross out gags. I don't think they spend like the first twenty minutes with the very first time we have our romantic lead played by Rosario Dawson. She's like brought into the film by talking about going ass to mouth and i'm like i'm i was just thinking like man how am i gonna get my wife into kevin smith with this like you know you're he's just like he's he's really leading with his like sort of uh worst traits or his most like fanboyish traits and i'm, I'm just there is a sweetness to his stuff that's not much different from the fairly brothers or judd apatow i mean my god judd, the fairly brothers I, I had would argue that it's stronger like his his sentimental stuff is stronger than the sentimental stuff you've seen in Fairly Brothers and Apatow. For me, I think he more universally is affectionate to his characters, to his cast of characters. Um, the Fairly Brothers certainly are having you pull really hard for Ben Stiller, and there's something about Mary, <laughs> but they don't give a damn about Matt Dillon. Who, yet again, I'm willing to bet that if we did an episode on that, you would identify with Stiller, and I love. Pat Healy, Pat, <laughs> the Matt Dillon character, Pat Healy, <laughs> is my favorite movie character of, of any movie. <laughs> and there's something because he is so he is so dark. But yet again, I guess what I like most about characters is knowing what they want and stopping at nothing <laughs> to, to get it, <laughs> no matter what society says. <laughs> um, and I'm all about the characters. Who don't know what they're doing. They can't deal with their lives. They're on medication. And they spend their therapy sessions fixing their <laughs> therapist computer. That's 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 the character that I'm... Oh my gosh. that That's where we are. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say that I, I think that my reservations about returning to uh, the Viewisk universe... Primarily with Jay and Silent Bob, as far as like, eh, I don't know how that's going to play. I think you're right. Like, you know, whether it was Jeff Anderson 
but there's other voices like on set of saying, Hey, let's, let's pull back a little bit on, on their antics. Like it is a little bit of a return to the clerk style. They're just standing around outside and they, they do some funny dances uh, again, but it's, you know, there's a, for a movie with opening with ass to mouth and a donkey show. There is some restraint as far as those characters. It's, it's certainly, more adults than Mall Rats or Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is like, you know, sort of like the one for the, the kids or like, you know, the ones on his message boards. And, you know, the, the goodbye horses stuff always, always, <laughs> always <laughs> gets me that it became a defi- it became like the wrestling intro music for, for Jason Muse for some reason. Uh, I don't understand it, but yeah, it's, it was weird for me the stuff that, uh, that I'm almost probably like I'm, I'm talking about my wife who's not even seen this thing. Having seen it multiple times, I'm still just as sucker punched by how it gets to me at the end. That, 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 that third act I'm shocked. Uh, and it's, I don't know if that's a sign of like great direction, great editing, because I, it's like, I still kind of hold the first half hour against him so much <laughs> that I'm like, why couldn't there be more of that? But I don't know if it hits you as hard. If it, if it doesn't just come out of left field, that's like, wow, these fucking goofballs that, you know, make dick and fart jokes, like have me on the verge of tears. I, I don't know. Maybe that makes it more effective that way that it just kind of you know, surprises you at the, the depths that, you know, that Randall actually has in him. You know, the greatest character, the one that may remind you listeners of a certain podcast. host. <laughs> The reason that those moments uh, surprise you ultimately is that Kevin Smith is a great storyteller. And if he had the discipline to commit to being a storyteller on film, to learn, you know, camera lenses, to be better at this aspect of his craft, like he would surprise even more than just us. I mean, I, I, I'm... You're right. That stuff does kind of take you by surprise at times. But then you step back and you're like, well, of course he's able to do that. You know, look at his filmography. Look at the highs of like chasing Amy and look at the even even a Jersey girl. I don't know why. I feel like he has to shit on it before other people can. But there is a lot of great emotional depth in that film as well. And and that's that's the thing. I, just, I feel frustrated because i feel like zach and mary stole kevin smith from all of us just frustrating according to everyone else's standards. I gotta go to Florida and get married because that's what's expected of me. 
And the fucking insane part is he ain't even that crazy about the chick he's marrying or Florida. Never mind the fact that he's got a perfectly good chick right here in Jersey who he's nuts about. And even Anne fucking Frank could see she's nuts about him. God knows why. And she likes you for who you are, man. She ain't trying to stuff you into a box you'll never fit into. Not to mention the fact that she's carrying your hideous fucking chud of a kid. Jesus, if you had any sense whatsoever, you'd fucking stop trying to bray it up with the rest of the sheep and live your life the way it makes sense for you, you fucking ass. Oh, yeah? And what's that? You obviously have such a great handle on your life. Tell me what you would do if you were in my position. Or even what you'd do in your own position. Swing that judgmental pendulum back the other way and tell me how you'd solve all your problems, asshole. What the fuck would the great Randall Graves do if he were half the master of his destiny that I'm supposed to be? I'd buy the quick stuff and reopen it myself. That's what I'd do. That's what we should do. Yeah, right. Who, who are we, Lance Dowds? Do you know how much it would cost to buy the quick stop? Like, 50 grand easy. Neither one of us have that type of money. We do. You guys would be willing to lend us some of that money so we can reopen the stores? That's right. Seriously. Do I stutter? Yes, seriously. What do you think? I almost hate to say it, but... It kind of makes sense. Hey, maybe that's why we spent so much time in that store. Why college or anything else never panned out for us? I mean, think about it, man. You and me running our own business instead of working for some other asshole? It's gonna be pretty fucking sweet, right? Yeah, I really could. But I don't know, man. I was this close to starting a new life. Jesus. You're actually gonna make me do this, aren't you? You're my best friend. And I love you. Please, man, don't leave me.